Good evening. Good evening. My name is Ron. I'm, I'm one of the clergy here. When I left college, I don't know, Claire is um, also my associate here. Where is she? She was leading us in sung worship. She's gone to, okay. I don't know if you noticed, but they no longer give you collars when you leave Bible college anymore. They give you one of these scarves. So it is now normal wear for us clergy. Um, <clears throat> I've had quite a bit of luck today, if you believe in luck, which I don't really, but hey, um, I, lost, I lost a very beautiful coat, which um, my wife bought for me last Christmas, and I lost it in, it was January or February time, and I couldn't remember where I'd lost it. I'd been to Watford watching them play football, not because I support them, because my father-in-law does. I thought maybe I'd left it there in the stadium. Then, I'd then gone from Watford to uh, McDonald's to then go on to Soul Survivor. I thought maybe I'd left it at Soul Survivor um, and hadn't left it there because I rang and asked them. And then I just said, because I had to have come some sort of excuse, I said, somebody must have stolen it from me, darling. <laughs> Literally taking it off my back. Uh, so I lost it in January, February time. And um, at the same time, I also lost a watch that my son had bought me for Christmas. Bad dad, bad husband. About a month ago, about a month ago, a, a very dear friend of mine from uh, last church, he's in his 70s, very prophetic guy. He gets these incredible words and pictures that you just go, what? That is crazy. Um, and so he said to me, he said, Ron, in his best West Country accent, he said, I, I'm so sorry to phone you with this, what seems so trivial, um, but I just can't get this picture of you in that coat, that blue, that fine blue coat that you had, the one that I've lost, out of my mind. And I just, he said, I just felt so compelled by the Lord to ring you and tell you that that coat is going to be a lucky coat for you. <laughs> I just didn't have the heart to say, Brian, I've lost, I've lost that lucky coat. It ain't that lucky after all. Um, but it turns out that as I was back at my father-in-law's house this afternoon and going through his coat rack, he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I lost a coat about almost a year ago now. And he said, well, it wasn't a blue one, you know, double-breasted. I said, yeah. yes, it was. And inside the coat, so I returned, had the coat returned to me, inside the coat was the watch. Good dad, good husband. <laughs> Apart from the fact that I had said someone stole it off my back. <laughs> Not a good vicar. What is worship? Matthew 2, 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Um, if you are comfortable talking to the person next to you, do turn to them. And uh, if you're not, find someone else. Um, do turn to them and say... And just explain very briefly, what is worship? What do you feel worship is? I'm not going to be taking any answers from the floor at all, so it's okay. Just what is worship to you? Okay, Neil, can I have the first slide? Hopefully I... Um, there we go. This is one of those definitions that you type in if you type in what is worship. The feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity... Worship of the mother goddess. Synonyms, reverence, revering, worshipping, veneration. Used in addressing or referring to an important or high-ranking person, especially a magistrate or mayor. We were soon joined by his worship, the mayor. 
or indeed as a verb to show reverence and adoration for a deity. The Maya built jungle pyramids to worship their gods. I don't know, I obviously didn't type in what is Christian worship. It's like, what is universal worship? There we are. The Bible doesn't actually give us a formal definition of what worship is. But actually you can kind of trace back, that's lovely, I don't know if you there are sort of wordy type people and you like to figure out words, where words came from and where sayings came from. But of course you can take the uh, word worship and you can split it down to two words. In Old English, weirth, worth, and skip or ship, which means like something like shape or quality. You might see that word in things like friendship or sportsmanship, the quality of being a friend or being a good sport. So worship, worth-ship, is the quality of having worth or of being worthy. When we worship, we are saying that God has worth, that he is worthy. Worship means to declare worth, to attribute worth. Or to put it in biblical terms, we praise God. We praise God. We might speak or sing or act in a way that proclaims how good and loving and merciful and gracious our God is. 1 Peter says this, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. We were called... You were called for this purpose, to declare his praises. You were called out of darkness into his marvellous light, from death to life, in order to praise him with all of your being. That's your job description of being a Christian. We declare that God is worthy. He's worth more than anything else. Okay, there are two major kinds of worship, if you are any good at Hebrew and Greek. The first one means to bow down, to kneel, to put one's face down as an act of respect. Our body language is saying, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm ready to listen to your instructions. I'll submit to you. And it made me think about a, a dog, the way that dogs kind of submit. What do they do? They roll over and kind of bare their stomachs, don't they? And that... Uh, really, it's just a gratuitous shot of a very cute dog. But this is our new, yeah, this is our new mascot. This is our new office dog. This is Max. It's, it's Abby's dog, actually, in fact. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but anyway. This is Abby's dog. Uh, and, he, yeah, so if you come to the office, you'll, you'll meet him because he's around, he's about nine weeks old now. But, yeah, so it made me think of the way that dogs submit and they bear themselves. I wonder if we might move on because some of you are going all gooey. (laughs) The other kind of biblical word means to serve and it carries the idea of doing something for God, making a sacrifice, carrying out his instructions. But of course the word meanings don't prove what worship means. I just wonder if, uh, Neil, we could have, that's it, thank you. The next slide. So they can illustrate that there are three kinds of worship. There's a worship that involves speaking, a worship that involves listening, and a worship that involves doing. A worship that expresses the heart, a worship that expresses and involves the mind, and a worship that involves and expresses your physical body. A worship that is giving praise up, a worship that is receiving instructions from above, and a worship that is carrying you out into the world. 
And we need all three types of worship. And some people will focus primarily on speaking or singing praise to God. And praise is good, but if all we do is praise God without ever listening to what he says, we have to ask whether we really believe the words that he's saying. If he really is all-wise and all-loving, then we need to be attentive to what he has to say because he is worth listening to. Similarly, all talk and no action does not show God the respect that he deserves. So our actions speak louder than the words, but if our behaviour isn't changed by God, by meeting with God, then our actions say that God really isn't that important, in fact. He's a nice idea, but he's not so relevant to our day-to-day lives. When we really believe that God is worthy of every praise, then we'll be willing to listen and to change the way that we live in response to such a worthy God. We'll trust him and seek him and want to please him with every fibre of our being. Worship can and should affect our behaviour. In our worship services today, where is our worship? Well, it's in the songs. It's in the sermon. It's in the attentiveness to the sermon. (laughs) I once heard someone say, that they, the church that they go to, they like going to that church because um, the sermons are good, which really means the songs are rubbish. And then I also heard someone say they like going because the singing is good, which means that the sermons are rubbish. And then I also heard someone say, look, I like going because I can just be who I want to be. Nobody challenges me or changes me or anything. That person's probably in a bar. There is worship that goes on behind the scenes. I just want to big up our hosting team right now. Let's give them a round of applause. There are people getting this building ready for when you guys turn up, making sacrifices to God that are pleasing to him. There are people who help with the refreshments. There are people who uh, give. There are people who worship as they serve in the children's teams in their actions, in their words. They are praising God. They are showing God is worthy. They're showing that he changes our lives and our priorities, that we no longer live to please ourselves, but when we live to serve others, it's a kind and a form of worship. If you want to find out more about how you can worship God in this way and join one of our fabulous teams, then you just need to speak to myself or Claire, and we'd love to talk to you about how you can join and serve God and worship God in that way. If you heard Afi's talk this morning, or if you didn't hear Afi's talk this morning, she was talking about personal ministry and how that helps to build big faith. So you can go online probably from Tuesday and listen to that, about how you can serve God in lots of different ways. And God has probably put some stuff in your hands, some skills, some abilities in which you can serve him by using those And you can use them here in church, but you can use them right where he's placed you. One other thing I think I just want to get straight about worship is that it's a response to God. Everything that we do is in response to God. I cannot make you become closer to God. I cannot make someone become a Christian. It has to be their response to an almighty, all-powerful, and all-loving God. 
We can't really know how much God is worth, much less declare it unless God has actually revealed himself to you. And how has God revealed himself to you supremely? Answer is, not a squirrel, Jesus. It's in Jesus. So God initiates worship by revealing himself to you, to us. He's not hiding. He is right where you can find him. And then we respond. And the proper response is worship. Giving God everything that he is worth. Showing God everything that he is worth. And the more we grasp his greatness, his power, his love, his character, the more we understand his worthiness, the better we will be able to worship. The more we can declare his worth. Our response to what God has revealed himself to be can only be one of pure joy and delight in what he's done and what he continues to do and what he will do in your future. So it includes all of our responses to God, including our response with our mind, such as our belief in God's worthiness, our emotions, such as love and trust, and in our actions and in our words. Our heart expresses itself in words and songs. Our mind is active when we want to learn what God wants us to do. And our bodies and our strength are involved when we obey and when we serve him. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament tells us that our relationship with God should involve heart, soul, mind, body, strength. It's the whole thing. And uh, we can worship God all by ourselves. You can do that all on your own. But sometimes it's something that we do together. Like when we gather here on a Sunday, we gather to worship God. God puts us in a community. He reveals himself, in fact, to community and through this community. And the community responds together in worship to him, declaring his worth, all honour and praise. And moreover, God promises to be with us when we worship him promises to be with us God is (laughs) okay God is here I was just checking (laughs) it's not like I've got some sort of special hotline but I did actually just stop and say God are you here and the answer is yes I'm right here how awesome is that how awesome how mind changing how life changing is that fact that God is right here in our midst. In the people that you're sat next to. When we gather in his presence, because of his promise, we expect him to be with us. He is the one who calls us together, who reveals himself to us, who initiates the worship and is the object of our worship. One of the important ways we worship here is I'm ducking down every time because I'm trying to get below the lights so I can actually see you. It's not some mad worship stoop that I've got going on. In fact, I shouldn't mock some other traditions, should I? That's really bad of me. Um, Sorry, my Anglo-Catholic brothers. Um, We have someone called a worship leader or worship pastor. And tonight it was actually, it was Claire that was leading us in worship, but often it'll be Stephen. Who else leads us here in worship? Anyone else worship leaders? No, okay, so we've just got a couple in tonight. 
They will lead us in singing these hymns and these spiritual songs. So a worship leader that we might call it is a song leader, if you like. And because of that, some people automatically think of music when they think of worship. And we can very easily slip into that let's worship when we get up to sing some songs. And we can lead people to believe that the the singing is the worship. Not just a very important part of it, but the singing is the worship. And it is important. Music is important. But it involves, as I said, our entire relationship with God. Heart, mind, soul, strength. All the ways in which we can respond. All the ways in which we can praise him by what we say and what we do. All the ways we can demonstrate that God is worthy of all praise and honour. Okay, on to a specific way of worshipping. There isn't anything that says whether you should sit down, stand up, wave your hands around, dance, uh, play a tambourine, although we do say no one is playing a tambourine here. Uh, whether you want to be quiet, whether you want to sing loudly. Um, there isn't anything in the scriptures that say there is a particular way of doing it. But and we're going to explore over the next few weeks some of those ways in which the scriptures say you can worship God in this way. So here are some of my thoughts and experiences of worshipping God through the raising of hands. When I came to faith, it was in a, uh, a small rural church in in North Devon and uh, it was very much uh, Father, Son and Holy Bible type church and so the, the Spirit of God although the Spirit of God was everywhere he wasn't really allowed into proceedings um, so the first time I ever saw someone put their hands up in, in worship um, I was like what are you doing man stop embarrassing yourself What is, well, you've been overcome with emotion. This is ridiculous. Put your hands down. Put them back in your pockets. Uh, And then I went to college in Bristol. uh, And I went to a church called Woodlands, which has over a 1,000 people on on a Sunday. And I went to their their first staff team meeting. And there were over 60 members of their staff team there. And they were all standing there with their hands in the air, And they were all singing in tongues as well. And you can imagine, here was this kind of country boy who had come from this place where, you know, nobody, barely anyone raised a hand. Suddenly I'm involved in this place where they are singing. Everyone is singing in tongues. It was quite amazing. And then I had a friend at college, and college chairs in chapel were a lot tighter than these, you know, to squish everyone in. And my friend, he was probably about an inch bigger than me and a stone or two heavier. And he would worship like this. You did not want to be stood next to him when we were singing songs like at 8.30 on a Monday morning because, you know, you'd get smacked in the face. <laughs> I wonder, Neil, if you might be able to get the, uh, the video up for me. You may have seen this before, and if you have, just indulge me. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. <laughs> okay. For me, it's just, a, it's just a natural thing. It's just a journey that God has, has had me on from um, being a very reserved worshipper in terms of... And that's, I'm not saying that in a bad way. Just from someone who kind of didn't really express their worship and wanted to express it in a way which was very quiet, and that's good, and that's all good. And God's just had me on this journey to somebody who now... I don't know if you, maybe if you don't see me at the front, perhaps you've got your eyes closed, but I'm, I'm kind of like just going for it. It's all right, and it's just natural for me to do. And if it's not your natural thing to do, it's absolutely fine. 
It's absolutely fine for you to worship God in the quiet. It's not a problem. But what does raising your hands mean? I wonder if there are a few hand raisers amongst us, whether you wouldn't be so kind to offer why you raise your hands in worship. To give yourself to God as an act of submission. Brilliant, thank you. Okay, so it's like a physical, a physical expression of your joy. Lovely, thank you. Oh yeah, okay. So like I'm, I'm yours, God. Hmm. Thank you. Anything else? An offering, yeah. That's good, yeah. So uh, kind of like here, Lord, here's my offering. Here's my worship. Good, thank you. Like, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> High five. <laughs> I'm in. As you know, I'm all in. Right? I'm in. So it's a physical expression. Yeah, thank you. I did also have down, yeah, reaching out, receiving, surrender, submission, shortage, God, I need you. And one I'm not too sure of, but pointing to. It's like, because I'm not really sure he is necessarily up there on a white cloud. But anyway. Okay, let's have a look. You already covered the football gigs. The, I'd like a pint, please. Yeah. Um, 1 Timothy 2 says, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. Now, Paul is, is talking to a young Timothy, and he's trying to get him to understand that, that what he wants the church to be is a praying place. And that prayer is a basic element of the church. When's our next prayer meeting? Um, two, three Wednesdays. In three. <laughs> it, oh, don't you just love it when the vicar just throws things out like that? Uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll be gathering here in this space to, to pray, in particular, actually, for what's going to be happening here at Christmas. So we would love you to join us. Stephen's looking up. December the 6th. December the 6th. So a church that does not pray is kind of like a social group cut off from the one for whom the church exists. Lifting up holy hands here in this scripture is a sign of praise, a sign of offering. And in the Old Testament, people would lift up their hands in many different places as a sign of purity, as a sign of devotion. I wonder if we might just have the next slide. So Psalm, here's a few examples if you want to make a note of these and have a look and check to make sure that I am... I've got a good Bible. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. Psalm 28.2, Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary. Psalm 63.4, So I will bless you as long as I live. 
I will lift up your hands, my hands in your name. So I just realized that I, I was doing the heartburn position. Uh, Psalm 134, lift up your hands in the sanctuary, praise the Lord. Psalm 141, I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. May, may my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Lamentations, we lift up our heart and our hands towards God in heaven. Nehemiah, then Ezra blessed the, the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. Then they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Uh, and... Uh, one kings in one of his prayers David exclaimed hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto you when I lift up my hands towards your holy oracle and then one which is always a bit of a warning from Isaiah don't you just love the way Isaiah says things to the superficial hypocritical worshippers in the era of Isaiah the prophet the Lord God said and when you spread forth your hands I will hide my eyes from you yes when you make many prayers I will not hear your hands are full of blood go away and research that one and as I was, thank you, um, as I was doing my research, I found this on what I think is probably a slightly dated website. Uh, it was uh, Reasons Why Your Hands Are Not Holy. Uh, your hands are not holy if they pick up a phone call to gossip to someone. Your hands are not holy if they use the remote control to change the TV to something wicked. Your hands, your hands are not holy if they've been holding dirty cigarettes. Your, your, hands, your hands are not holy. Some church has actually has got this. I can't believe it. Your hands are not holy if they touch filthy beer, wine, and spirits. Your hands are not holy if they take the radio dial and turn the station to wicked country music and rock music. <laughs> Don't you just love the Bible Belt? It's just stunning. So, hand rating. All those in favour? It's natural. It's natural. It's just an expression of your worship. So just to finish with, worship is not just the songs we sing. Worship is not just the amount you place in the offerings. Worship is not just serving on one of our teams. Yeah, they are acts or expressions of worship, but they don't define what true worship really is. True worship is defined by the priority we place on who God is, what God has done, and what he continues to do how much he is worth and where he is on our list of priorities. We worship God because he is God, period. Our extravagant love and extreme submission to the Holy One flows out of the reality that God loved us first. God broke into this world to show his love for us and we respond to that because of God's unimaginable generosity towards us, that God in all of his glory chooses to respond to us through our worship. That is the promise. That when we worship God with extravagant love and extreme submission, that God will come and commune with us. He will come and make his home with us. He will come and live with us. And that's the best thing that's ever happened, is that we have God in our lives Last week, in this service, we were talking about love, sex, and dating. And a young man gave his life to Jesus at the end of the service. That's the best decision he has ever made in his life. The best thing that's happened to us this week 
is that we have God in our lives. There is a huge celebration going on in heaven right now that one of God's lost members of his family has come home. How wonderful is that? And we have a reason to celebrate all the time because of James 4.8. God's promise that when we draw close, he will draw close to us. So why don't we do that right now? Why don't we stand together? Just before the band begin to play. Worship is not the promise that um, we will suddenly feel great and this heavy load will be lifted from our shoulders, although we might often find that to be the case. But it's that God will come. So if you feel comfortable, maybe, maybe just you can close your eyes so you're not aware of the people around you. And uh, if you feel comfortable, you can put your hands out in a sort of 14-inch mini TV type place or a big 42-inch, however you want to do that. Out to the sides, up top, just as, a, just as an act of uh, offering ourselves, offering our worship to God this evening. All our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our body, all of our strength. We offer that to you, Father. Because where well, you... You are. When, uh, when you were asked, yeah, what should we call you? You said, I am. You are. 